0: Hello and welcome to Gourmet Traveler's Set Menu. Today on the show, we're stepping out of the studio and into the chilly air of Copenhagen for an exclusive tour of Noma 2.0. The original Noma closed its doors a year ago in February 2017, after a 14-year run that made it perhaps the most famous fine diner in the world.
1: I mean, it was one of the saddest days of my life when we closed the doors to that space. I actually cried, uh, believe it or not. and And many people did. It was a very emotional moment. But I also knew that it was necessary.
0: Noma put Scandinavia firmly on the map for food lovers and, with its Lockevor philosophy, changed the way chefs and diners around the world thought about their own backyards. Its new incarnation is no less ambitious. Working with the idea that ingredients in the Nordic countries follow three seasons, the restaurant will focus entirely on seafood from January to May. In June, the focus will shift to vegetables, while in autumn and early winter, it will be all about game and things foraged from the forest. Where the old Noma was on the water, in an old shipping warehouse, the new restaurant is split across seven buildings joined by glass and steel walkways, all set in an urban farm next to a man-made lake. And in the middle of it all is René Redzepi, the restaurant's 40-year-old chef and co-owner. Despite the fact that he's in the midst of opening one of the most ambitious restaurants in the world, Putting not just his own reputation on the line, but also the livelihood of the 80 people who now work at Noma, he agreed to walk us through the new restaurant. Now take a deep breath, and let's step inside.
1: My name is René Rezepi, and we're standing on the entrance of the new Noma. And right now I'm staring at still what looks a bit like a building site, although... We have uh, a big property. There's about a acre, of, or excuse me, a hectare of land actually, and most of it is uh, filled up with buildings. There's a greenhouse in front of me. There's three greenhouses in total actually. One of the greenhouses, the smallest one, that will be a more tropical one. And uh, for the Aussies, uh, we're proud to say that we ordered two finger lime trees to put in our greenhouse, <laughs> so we can have a bit of finger lime somewhere one day on the menu maybe besides that uh, a, a property we're also situated right on a lake a man-made lake and behind our property there's a mound this is a, this mound is a part of the old fortification of medieval Copenhagen that's listed as a national heritage and so with time this big property here will be one big overgrown garden with trees and plants and fruits and vegetables and with these 11 buildings that we have uh, made, uh, nestled between the garden. We have 11 buildings, three of them are greenhouses, and then there's all the other ones. And uh, we have a beautiful lake that's right in front of the restaurant, amazing. And it's actually also like a a bird sanctuary here. So when uh, when the lake's not frozen over like it is today, there's actually hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of, of birds huge hordes of swans are here and they're so beautiful and uh, we're actually gonna have a sauna right on the lake that uh, we'll be able to use and then jump into the lake I mean this property is all about making the best possible workspace for us and then you know there's a I mean it's hard to describe really because you have to experience it we have a property that's almost an acre and we have probably 1,700 square meters of actual building but only 200 of them are for guests. The rest are kitchens, test kitchens, staff rooms, quarters things, places to grow stuff, places to hang out places to experiment and when we're gonna put in the sauna that's of course not for the guests and that's also for us. (laughs) We have the privilege of, uh, of coming here every day, we have the privilege of being able to jump in the water um, and um, this is our home so it has to fit us first let's go inside we'll go here we'll walk We'll walk in from the back entrance I'm gonna walk through an old wooden door into the biggest of the 11 buildings which is 800 square meters and this is a part of the original building that was on property Now you're probably gonna hear a lot of noise now because uh, everywhere people either producing food um, or uh, they're still building. Tomorrow is opening day and uh, it's gonna be tight. So uh, these are all staff members on the top of the building, on top of the wall, helping to put down all the scaffolding. So it's been like this for the past, uh, I would say, three weeks that the majority of our staff has actually been on the building site to to help and we've actually helped build this space which feels very good so the head chef Ben here from Canada he's standing helping to carry all the scaffolding and he's also standing right in front of our new uh, ant farm and um, this is something we've been wanting to do for years finally our dream is coming into fruition with our new space so right next to the ant hill, we have the science bunker look two Aussies all
0: coming together. Two, bo- two bald, two Aussies.
1: Ball by <laughs> yeah, my choice. Yeah, my choice. Yeah, right. right. So, uh, staring at um, at our science bunker, which uh, right now is actually our uh, de facto kitchen as well. It's the only kitchen that we have ready. And uh, David Zilber, the fermentation boss in here. He's uh, he's not here currently, but he designed it and it's amazing. It's simply one of the most amazing spaces. So in the main big building that we just entered, there's a 80 meter long hallway in which you can enter uh, to all the different, uh, let's say creative buildings or leisure buildings, leisure rooms for the team. So for instance we just went from the science bunker and we w- walked 10 meters down the c- corridor and suddenly we're at the um, At the staff canteen and uh, we made a lot of effort in making this really nice put in the skylights beautiful wood tables it's gonna be a place to relax and sit together and have uh, a moment to enjoy some food in front of us here we have um, all the ceramic uh, table top setting and um, Actually look at this little, in front of me I'm also holding a little book that explains all the the different artists and all the different plates. So in our new setup of Noma 2.0 as we call it, we'll have three distinct seasons that we feel is what really fits our part of the world. In the cold months, like right now, the waters is what we looked towards and we'll serve only seafood. And this will also be reflected in how we set up the restaurant. This will also be reflected in how we uh, choose our ceramics. So when we go into the growing season, which starts typically in Scandinavia around June, we're gonna have a vegetarian uh, menu and this will also change the ceramic part of it. These ones have a you know a a hint of blue to them, dark faint blue, a little bit of grey like stone all of it is handmade of course um, and they're made by five different artists that we've been you know prepping for a year and one of them he's uh, he's uh, more than 80 years old and he's you know like a specialist uh, even for Denmark where there's a lot of ceramists, he's like one of the gurus he's made these ones for instance this little bowl here that I don't know what to say I mean imagine you can just see his fingers the way that this 80-year-old man that's been doing this for 60 years, honestly we haven't fully decided on everything yet because we have a plan obviously. Our creative work has, has been going amazing. We've been in our in my backyard actually uh, and in my home kitchen doing the creative work because we weren't ready here. And it's the best creative period we've ever had. But we won't know how it, it will all come together until we actually are in this space so this plate that i have in front of me will this actually work for the sea urchin who knows we have to see it in its uh, proper setting which is the restaurant let's walk a bit further down so as we walk in the 80 meter long corridor here we also pass the wine cellar and um, it is sort of the, the sommelier's playroom. Music is going. I see a weird machine that uh, is some state-of-the-art something to do infusions. I haven't even seen it myself before, but they told me yesterday they've been working with it. There's a really good smell too in there, yeah. It's not mats. we know that. So it's, <laughs> what, what is it that matches our head sommelier? Hey mats, what smells so good in here? It's cheese. different cheese that we're producing for pairing or um, for snaps or alcohols distills that we're making uh, nice the last the past year has been all about researching traveling exploring connecting with people that we've been working with for the past 14 years finding new friends uh, challenging uh, our purveyors to do more better different um, kind of see fresh opportunity within the same old same old and of course with some of them it's worked amazingly and with others not so much but honestly fresh thing comes out of just meeting people face to face and having a plan making a plan to do something new you know and every time you do it every time you step on that unknown territory something new happens we'll pass uh, our uh, engine room we have a A big room in the main building that's just dedicated for all the engines and stuff. It's super boring, but necessary. Right next to the engine room, there's another type of engine room. I'm staring at uh, our seafood quarters. So we have two large tank systems that currently is full of, well, king crabs and sea urchins and sea cucumbers and scallops and razor clams and all sort of seafood that you can imagine that's in season and good right now. And if you can imagine uh, how it is to go to a Chinese restaurant where they have huge tank systems to keep all the seafood alive, well, we have that. And it's the latest, best, two different systems, two different salinities, two different temper- temperatures, so that in this season of seafood, that we can keep everything as pristine and proper as possible. So we, we, we're taking the different approaches, the different three seasons very seriously. And we've designed specific um, elements to the different buildings that we made so that we can be very focused uh, in the periods of each season. For instance, this one, the tank system, will not be in use eight months of the year. But it's so crucial in the seafood season. So we had to have it. And next to this uh, room, we have a meat room. Now, this is a, a, a little bit of a special meat room because it's made uh, to uh, only have game in it. So it's a place where we'll pluck a lot of birds, we'll skin animals, big deer will come in with horns and everything. And, and so that, that needs a, a special handling, a special care. And that season is four months of the year, too. And for the rest of the time, that, that room is empty. But for the, for the season of the forest and the game, we need a room like that. We used to have it outside of, of our old space, our old Noma, and we'd put up this you know, haphazard uh, plastic tent. It'd be freezing. We'd stand there for hours and plucking and plucking, and it's gonna be the same, but we're gonna be indoor, and it's in, in a proper location, actually. Um, and and um, it's just next level. What, what, what uh, we try to do here is really spend a lot of energy in these rooms to ensure that the quality of the product is the best that the best the best the best the best let's go further down and uh, from uh, these uh, meat and uh, fish chambers we're going to go straight into the prep kitchen now it's a super dusty prep kitchen and you know noise and people vacuuming and we're opening tomorrow but we still haven't actually tried to turn on everything and obviously, it's not exactly what we hoped for, but the complexity of this build has been enormous, and um, a lot of the build-outs that's happened, particularly in the restaurant side of it, or things, have actually never been done before. So the carpenters and the woodworkers have had to invent techniques to get the job done, and uh, for that we've been we've been almost two and a half months delayed, and for that we're also cutting it so close, but. We're opening because I do feel that we're ready. I do feel we can do it, we can achieve it. And obviously when you have a prep kitchen that looks like this, which is, you know, there's like five meters to the ceiling, huge skylights, the sun is pouring in. We can see the trees, the sky is blue. It's big, it's open. Feels like a place where you can dream and where you can work properly. It's the best equipment that we can possibly have. So we're very happy from that. And then when you are in the prep kitchen, when you're actually st- stepping out of that into the long corridor, there's a view into the what we call the village. Now the village consists of seven buildings. It sounds crazy and it sounds like, wow, seven buildings. But one of those buildings is seven square meters. <laughs> and the other one, is 250 square meters and these seven buildings they all relate to our work and to our guests one of the buildings is a restaurant and then all the other ones are sort of meant also for the guest and for us to work in let's go in and check it out well uh, i should just uh, quickly explain as well about you know the building layout of this property here so there was one building on the property when we got hold of it. And this uh, building, the main building, 800 square meters uh, big, 8- 850 actually to be precise, they used to store uh, equipment for the Marine. It was a building that was made during Second World War and obviously it got abandoned at a certain point and um, we cleaned it up. And that has become the main engine room for the restaurant. Then we built seven fresh new buildings from scratch. There was nothing. And those buildings is is where the whole action is gonna be for the guests. That's also where the guests are gonna enter through. There's a separate entrance building where we greet people. From there you go into a separate building that is the restaurant building. From there you will go into a separate building to go to the bathroom. There will also be a building that's sort of a lounge building in case you know um, you finish your meal and you wanna sit longer or we need the table again then there's a separate building when we go to barbecue things then there's a separate building for the waiters actually to work in and then finally there's a separate building for private dining room a small building let's step into it now unfortunately there's gonna be probably tons of noise as we step into the village and um, we, we have like 50 people fi- finalizing all the small details. So here I'm about to step in and I'm staring at a uh, terrazzo floor. I believe it's called in English. It's hand laid stone by stone. And, and um, I'm also looking up into the sky. Because in between all of these different buildings in the village, they're all connected with glass corridors. It's kind of hard to imagine, but I don't know how to explain this actually properly. It, it truly is something that you have to see. Imagine, um, imagine um, you're in a neighborhood and you see seven buildings next to each other. And there's a gap between them. But that gap is closed in with the glass corridors that keeps you dry and heated that's what we've done So, well uh, the philosophy is to always feel like you're outdoors that's the main spirit here and uh, it was really something that came to us after we did our pop-up in Mexico it was extraordinary it was an outdoor restaurant only the tree canopy was above us and it was truly something that everybody enjoyed the staff, our guests So. Although we did have a plan of having lots of skylights in our buildings, the main, 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 main concept only solidified after we came home from Mexico. So, how do you build a space that feels like you're outdoor all the time, even though you live in a place where, you know, in all honesty, the weather is so shitty uh, seven months of the year that that you need uh, proper coverage? Well. We feel we've tried, we've solved that in a pretty profound way, actually. So I'm looking up, and and right now I'm under the glass roof, and it's covered in dirt. It's covered in plastic because people are still working up on it. But as soon as all this gets cleared, it's going to feel amazing. I mean, the sky is right above us. Um, the kitchen is sort of at the center of everything. So from the kitchen, you can actually oversee all the different buildings in what we what we call this the village so it's also uh, the concept of that is also to sort of even furthermore take the cooks into the center of everything if you will um, typically the kitchen would be this thing in the back 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 of your property right and hidden away here is different here that's the center point so everybody has to pass through the kitchen to actually go into a new building, go to the bathroom, go into the restaurant, step outside. They're actually going through the kitchen. Let's go into the restaurant a bit. So we're stepping into the restaurant. We're walking on big, huge wooden planks, beautiful. I'm also staring at these room dividers that are made from more than 200-year-old wood that was actually found in the waters just a kilometer away from here. And the pattern on it is stunning. We have a wooden building here. Lots of light pouring in through the natural uh, made skylights. Big glass windows out to the lake. With time, right from the edge of the building to the lake. We're going to have a garden as well where we're going to be growing stuff and it's a fairly basic room some people would say it's not a fancy room but it is a room that it has so much complexity in the build that uh, the, the, the the good people that has been building this they have simply struggled so much to make it what it is I'm completely in love with it some of the st- some of the the big problems in building is um, is a way that the well it's the way that the whole build is made so how do I explain this one? Imagine a building made from stacked wood. But the building is five meters tall and it's sort of draped with this stacked wood. More than 250,000 screws have been made, have been put into this building. It's it's a crazy space. If we take a look at the table setting, and I'm holding actually the chair at the moment. And so the chair don't really have a name, we just call it the Noma chair right now. We designed it, Uh, we also made it and um you know we it's a fairly uh, can we say traditional scandinavian chair with these hint of modernism to them obviously everything every single detail also in, in, the, in the tables that are also made for this place all of this is made so that it has the feeling of a craft everything has to have been handmade in this project it's more important than being modern, one of the main concepts behind all of it is a sort of a a sense of rawness. So when you manage to put natural material and the best craft people and the best architects and you tell them we don't, we want it to feel raw still. When they manage to do that, something extraordinary and quite modern yet rooted in, in in our tradition comes forward I happen to believe that we succeeded with it. It's not an old building like we used to be in, a 250-year-old building where the patina and the energy was built in. Here it's brand new, yet it doesn't feel like it. You feel feel the energy, you feel the, 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 the commitment, the hours in all of this. And I truly believe in those things, that that actually makes a big difference anyway so yeah the the chair what what do we what can we possibly do to a chair in scandinavia that hasn't already been done you know what not much but uh, you don't need to do much either for it to be fresh to feel like it's a fresh new chair and so you know there is this chair in this restaurant and that's it nowhere else and it's a quite simple chair there's two material used which is uh, oak wood and then uh, string. Um, I don't know what the fiber is in English. Hvad hedder den her? Hvad hedder det her snor på engelsk? Det på engelsk. Det der klassiske Well, well, the string technique is very classic. You see it uh, in lots of Scandinavian chairs. You see it all throughout the world. Um, woven sort of uh, strings that holds a chair together. That's what we've done too and I love it, it's, um, uh, one of the features that I was very adamant about was actually having the backrest also made from string at first it wasn't, it was just one piece of wood on the backrest which I didn't enjoy too much but, and now when I see the chair in its proper space with the, with the string I'm, I'm completely in love with it, it was the right choice to do we also uh, haven't really decorated our restaurant very much It is, the restaurant is actually the building, that's uh, the most decoration we have, we have two uh, sort of uh, beams that hang in the restaurant that have been put there, and from that there are some dried seaweeds that are hanging, and that's basically the only decoration we have, nothing else is going to be in here, there's of course a little bit of uh, lamps hanging down, And, um, and that's it. We might though put in a few, few of these a uh, few elements that we've been uh, that been we, we, we've been working on for the past five months in our test kitchen. So right now I'm lifting up a, a giant squid. This was uh, I'm holding it in in, in in my hands and it's completely dry. I don't know a knock on it and it's like a piece of wood. It's beautiful though. It's salted and dried in, air dried. So it's kinda pink, white, yellow at the same time. And it was a three meter, almost three meter big uh, squid that we got in. And now it's dried into approximately a meter. And uh, we might hang this in the restaurant somewhere. And we have like 15 of them. There's a skull of a walrus as well. The big tooth, the big teeth are still on it, attached to it. We have um, we have salted cod. Um, we have another thing that we also did with octopus. Let me go grab it and try to explain. So I'm looking at um at an octopus now. It's a funny thing. Um, it's completely dried in as well. If I tap it, rock hard too. What's uh, funny with this one is that we kind of squished it and curled up the, the arms, and then we painted it in its own ink while we salted and dried it. So it actually turned out to be completely black. And it's beautiful, it's like a sculpture. So this uh, piece of dried seafood we might also put on the wall hanging somewhere. So decorations like that Crafted handmade something that has a story that relates to what we're serving um, We might put up somewhere, but Honestly, we're not certain of anything like that yet. We might not put anything, but we have it in case we need it What's very important is that this space can never feel decorated the sense of rawness that you're all the time looking at the beauty of the material, the quality of the material, the quality of the product on the the table, uh, the quality of the product that you're eating. It should all sort of fit with each other. That it's a craft that we have uh, chosen uh, to do for a living. And so everything surrounding what's on the plate should also have that feel to it. Like uh, the best of the best are trying to build and make you feel comfortable and give you an exciting um, experience that tells you something about a certain place in a certain time. Um, And we think that we will be able to achieve that in a fresh and new way. In a way that we haven't done in the past 14 years in this space here. I truly believe we can. I truly believe we can. And um, well, you know, time will tell if people will feel that it's something fresh. We've actually been able to see new opportunities within the same old, same old. Because the octopus is the same as the one we used to work with before. So is the squid. So is the carrots. It's the same farmer. Of course, we have fresh and new ingredients that we found in our research trips. But still, the base of it is built on the same. And sometimes you need to uproot everything and go somewhere else for you to see new opportunities. The old Noma was also an extraordinary place. I mean, it was one of the saddest days of my life when we closed the doors to that space. I actually cried, uh, believe it or not, and and many people did. It was a very emotional moment, but I also knew that it was necessary, because that Noma had also become, well, like a couch, a very comfortable couch. It was getting more and more difficult to get up uh, from that couch. You felt good in it. You knew what to do. You knew everything. And so, you know, at one point I'm like, "No way, man. I'm 40 years old." Let's go. Let's do it again. It's not time for for a couch yet. Hopefully never. How do you actually feel like you're progressing? Feel like you're t- you're shaping something new out of the stuff that you're so familiar with and it's difficult it's very very difficult one of the things that we decided to do was of course to uproot Um, but the most important thing in terms of creative work for the restaurant was actually on the journey we went and um, we did the same thing when we went to australia spent months traveling around it's crucial it's so crucial and so for us we spent about six months planning a journey around the Nordics, and we went and shook hands and met yet again some of the divers and the fishermen and the foragers and so on and so on. And um, but we also did a, fir- uh, a, a deeper research on, on people, ingredients. Having the focus of the three different seasons brings a great energy to. How, how to conduct your research and your creativity, and we actually discovered that it's been the right thing to do so far. Because diving truly into the ocean and looking at what is there, as opposed to how it used to be when we when we decided what to put on the menu would be okay, we'd use like lobster, turbot, kind of thing, you know, the typical stuff, the luxury stuff in a way. Here we're forced to do to work in a complete different way and we have discovered things in the ocean that we knew were there and we've discovered things that we, you know, wow, this is here in our waters. We have found things that we can't use um, because it's such a new ingredient and nobody has ever made a living from it. That's a problem. Um, We challenged ourselves after we came home from our research trips to work with all the things that we never worked with before, like sea cucumbers, sea stars, jellyfish. Um, and, um, and that was the right thing to do as well. Just that, a simple concept like that. Going to work every day, say, telling yourself, I'm not gonna work with things I know how to work with. It is, it's such a basic thing, but it actually yields so much you know, discovery and um, and so for that reason I feel like we've actually been able to squeeze out new things and see fresh opportunities the energy you get from 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 the creative work and actually from discovering is uh, is paramount to how I live my life without that I don't know man there's no way this industry is way too hard to go to work and uh, and not have that creative rush and the sense of discovery like the sense of ach- achievement when you think oh I'm actually shaping something new together and as a collective as a team when we do it that's amazing too there's a dish um, you know it's made from these giant sea snails they come from the Faroe Islands there's sea snails all around us small big huge these ones are they're fairly big I mean They weigh like 400 grams each. Maybe half a kilo even, or more sometimes. And um, we never really figured out how to cook them. In Australia, you guys are lucky because you have the abalone. But we didn't know what to do. Yeah, this giant sea snail. Many times I've had this slimy thing in in my hands and like, what what are we gonna do with this? And we tried to cook it like abalone, like we did in Australia know we looked at Japanese uh, websites and watched YouTube video after YouTube video but they, were, they always have that kind of chew to it until uh, we actually went into the research uh, four months ago and we started just devoting as enough time and enough energy to it and and we actually found a way to cook that thing where I think it's one of the most delicious things we have on the menu and um, And the broth that comes out of it as well is extraordinary. So I'm very excited for for people to taste that. I mean, particularly excited for people who are used to eating abalone to get a taste of it because it has a similar quality to it, like a simmered abalone. There's just more flavor in it, actually. Um, So that we're very, very excited about. It's a very simple serving. It's sort of sliced thin and it's uh, tossed with these wild plants. And you eat it as a uh, you eat it as a salad, but the thing this salad is put into a wax cup. So a bee uh, a bee guy that takes care of our bees he's made these uh, these wax cups for us that we you know that are going to be warm. So when you actually eat this plate, you're going to be holding this warm wax that s- releases this honey note scent and it's, it is exactly what the dish needs this sweet note and then the tactile feeling of almost having something melt in your hands as you're also eating what's in it I love that serving, I really truly love it and I love it even more because it's, it's not just a, a theatrical element, it actually does something the scent of the wax of the beeswax I'm very happy about that there's a, a jellyfish serving as well. I mean, it's a jellyfish. It's like uh, a jellyfish that just melts on your tongue. It's jellyfish that's, that's from, <laughs> from Danish waters. And um, it's even served with seaweeds. And when I talk about it myself, I, I don't really love the idea of it. But uh, when, when we first had it, We tested it in the test kitchen. Like I can't believe it. I thought it would be this weird, textured, slimy thing, hard to swallow. But it wasn't. It was just—it just melts on your tongue. You get it in. It's like disappears. It holds right until the heat of your tongue hits it, and it's like gone. And then this salty oyster rush hits. I'm very happy. Very pleased with that one. this is all in there's nothing uh, like if this doesn't work out it doesn't work you know that's it we've we've, uh, it's an all in project I believe so much in this space I believe in this property everybody does so of course you're nervous of course I can't help to wake up at night like I have been doing for the past two months every night several times a night and suddenly you just wake up I can't remember why I just wake up in the middle of the night.
0: And um, how much do you care about what everyone else is going to say?
1: A lot. I mean, everything we do is to make guests happy. So I care so much about it. Everybody does. If the guests are not happy, I will be truly unhappy. I really, really will. Honestly, and it, 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 it is a, it's as basic as that. I really, truly want to make our guests happy when the moments happen in the restaurant where it's like this explosion of joy and everybody seems to get exactly what you wanted to to tell everyone and so on it's the best those are nights you remember forever and you get high of it and so this is still about making people happy
0: and what about the critics
1: of course i mean listen the critics what can you know we can talk about the critics But deep down inside, everybody wants to make the critics happy and I I can't lie, you know. uh, People say, do you even care about Michelin stars anymore? I would never change anything. I would never change anything to make critics happy or make the Michelin guy happy. But do I dream about three stars? Of course you dream about it. and but i'm i'm at the am I'm, I'm i would say though i am at a comfortable stage in my life that if we do get bad critics or bad reviews i know it's bullshit <laughs> I, well, I mean by that i mean that i don't necessarily th- you know you can have people can have opinion that that is not okay but i know that most of the time we actually do everything that we can to make people happy like really truly and then there's nothing more you can do so I mean it in that sense it still takes like minimum a hundred people to say that it's great every time somebody complains for all of us one complaint puts us all deep into the cellar into the basement of moods and it's hard to drag yourself out there and you think rethink the situation over and over again and the only shield you have against it is to every day tell yourself, I knew we did everything we could. And as long as you do that, then you can then you can tell yourself, well, it is, you know, it is what it is. Do you think people are gonna be surprised? Not not by the space, because obviously it it's incredible. Yeah. But by the food. Yeah, I think so. Honestly I think so. I think people are gonna be I think people are gonna be surprised. I actually think you know, we've been—we're not the fresh, the the young kids on the block anymore like we used to be ten years ago. And you know, we could do whatever we wanted. And like, you know, we're, we're kind of a household name now. Even though I still feel we're babies and all that stuff, but there's a different, um, different expectations now towards what we do. I know that we've done something fresh.
0: I feel it. Our team feels it. And then I think most of the guests will also feel it. Chef Rene Redzepi speaking about the opening of his new restaurant, Noma 2.0, with thanks to Jenny Porter, Gourmet Traveller's Copenhagen correspondent, for that report. And that's all we have time for this week on Set Menu. I'm Pat Nurse. Thank you for joining us.